welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for joining us today. A poll conducted by Ipsos for Reuters News in 24 countries around the world found that 41% of the respondents identified themselves as evolutionists, while some 28% identified as creationists, and 31% of the population indicating that they simply don't know what to believe. Now, the countries involved in this research were Argentina, Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Germany, Great Britain, Hungary, India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Poland, Russia, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, South Korea, Spain, Sweden, Turkey, and the United States. The evolutionist view was most popular in Sweden, 68%, Germany, 65%, and in China, where 64% of the population said that they were evolutionists. The creationist view was most popular in Saudi Arabia, 75% of the population, in Turkey, where 60% of the population said that they were creationists. Indonesia, 57%. And the United States, ranking sixth at 40% between Brazil at 47% and Russia at 34%. Now, according to a poll by Canadian Press through uh, Decima Research, their conclusions were that 29% of Canadians believe that God had no part in the creation or in the development of human beings. 26% believe that God created human beings pretty much in this present form at one time within the last 10,000 years or so. Belief in creationism is the lowest in Canada in the province of Quebec at 21%. Alberta at 22% and BC also at uh, 22%. Residents in the rural parts of Canada are 12 points more likely than urban dwellers to believe that God created humans in their present form. Now, interestingly enough, in polls using the exact same question, but put to United States residents, the findings were different. In the U.S., 45% of the population said that God created humans in more or less their present form compared to the 26% in Canada. And only 15% of Americans say God played no part in creation compared to the 29% of the population in Canada. Now, according to Decima CEO Bruce Anderson, he says, these results reflect an essential Canadian tendency. We are pretty secular, but pretty hesitant to embrace atheism. Our views on the role of science and spirituality lack consensus, but these are not polarizing issues for the most part. It's more as though, for many, that these feelings are unresolved. We believe in a higher being, we know what we don't know and are comfortable not knowing and choose not to press our views 
upon one another. Well, I'm going to invite you to go back with me to Genesis 1 because we are continuing in this program in the study of creation that we've been going through for the last number of programs. The creation account given here in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings, says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning a second day. Then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and the trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a third day. Now the Genesis account says that the eternal God created out of nothing, without pre-existing material, the heavens and the earth which to me simply means the universe. He created the universe as it is now in a sequence of six days. And he caps this creation, as we will find out, on the sixth day by creating man in his own image, an intelligent being with personality, with, with self-consciousness, with cognition. Now, this cr creation occurred in a period of one week, one week of normal 24-hour days, about 6,000 or so years ago. And the entire creation was mature at the instant of its creation. Death did not exist, nor was there any sort of corrupting influence, and the creation was good. Death and corruption entered the creation for the very first time at the fall of Adam and Eve which is recorded in Genesis, yes, in the third chapter of Genesis, when they sinned and were in disobedience to God. And as a result, death now enters the scene. You see, prior to that occurrence, there was no death. That means to me 
that there could not be any evolutionary processes because nothing died. Now, I want to go back with you to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 9. Let's go back there and let's read that. Here's what it says. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Verse 10 then tells us that God named what he had made. He called the dry land earth and he called the gatherings of the water seas. And God saw it and it was good. It was good. You see, he said back in the very beginning that he created light and there was light. And he said he created the heaven and it was so. He created in verse 9 dry land and seas and it was so. But notice something. But now, at this point in the creation, he says, it was good. Why? Why was it good now? Well, because it was now fit for human habitation. It was good, and God could say it was good, because he had reached the point in the creation process where the earth could now sustain and contain life. And so at this point in the creation week, God moves into the second phase of creation, and he does it on day three. Look at verse 11. Here's what it says. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them on the earth. And it was so. This vegetation, verse 11, look, it says, let the earth sprout vegetation. Now, to me, I think that's sort of a general category. There are two parts of that category. There are plants... And there are trees. Down in verse 29, God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit-yielding seed. It shall be food for you and for every beast. So, it looks like God divides the vegetation into two parts. Uh, plants and trees. You wonder, well, what's the difference? The difference is the plant has the seed in it, and the tree has the seed in its fruit. Now, that's clearly indicated in verse 11. Plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit with seed in them. That's the distinction. Now, I want you to notice that First of all, in describing the plants, he says of them in verse 11, plants yielding seed. He says it again in verse 12, plants yielding seed. And again in verse 29, plants yielding seed. He continues to repeat that feature to let us know, and I think this is important, that the vegetation was capable of reproduction. God made full-grown, fully mature vegetation with seed in it, and that seed could be dispersed. 
You see, one of the great wonders of the world is this science of seed dispersal. The whole science of seed dispersal to me is absolutely phenomenal. You see, plants then, it says, were made by God not as seeds, but they were made as full-grown plants containing the seeds that they could then use to multiply. Well, that's the way the whole creation was made. It was made mature. When Adam was created, he wasn't created as an infant that had to grow. Adam was created as a fully grown man. Everything was created full grown. There were plants, edible ones, of course, that yielded seed. And there were fruit trees whose seed, the Bible says, was in their fruit, bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them on the earth. And it was so. So you have these two categories of vegetation. Now, another interesting note, I think. Catch this little phrase. It's repeated over and over. Verse 11, after their kind. Verse 12, after their kind. And then once in the middle of the verse, towards the end of the verse, after their kind. In fact, this phrase, after their kind, is repeated ten times in the first chapter of Genesis. Ten times. Now, the Hebrew word for kind is min. Now, what does it indicate? It indicates the limitations of variation. God here is saying a plant can only bring forth something of its own kind. A tree can only bring forth something of its own kind. It only has the capacity to function on the basis of that genetic code that is in it. The Hebrew word min eliminates any possibility of an evolutionary process because whatever the plant is or whatever the tree is, it can only reproduce after its own kind. To say that all living things come from a common ancestry is refuted by the ten times the phrase repeated after its kind. Let me show you something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verses beginning in verse 36, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of man, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. Do you see what God is saying here? He says there are distinctions. There are designs beyond which any living organism cannot pass. Dr. Nancy Durrell, PhD in botany from the University of Wales, she has an interesting example. She says, a major difference between living and inanimate things is the power to reproduce. This is possible, she says, because 
of the genetic blueprint, the genes that are contained within all cells of living things. She goes on to say, the DNA double helix is analogous to the paper and ink in my biology textbooks. Anyone who has sat down in front of a blank piece of paper in an examination will be aware of the need for something more than paper and ink in order to pass. She says we need ideas, concepts, plans, purpose, memory of the lecture notes, mathematical equations, in other words, information in order to complete the paper. Does the paper and ink contain these ideas? She then concludes the example this way. If we have written half the examination paper and cannot remember the other key points, no amount of copying and rewording what we've already written, she said, will give us more marks from the examiner. The student needs to recall more information from the brain. The same thing, she says, applies to the origin of information that is coded in the genes. There is nothing special about DNA. It's just a collection of molecules, as is paper and ink. DNA molecules can be strung out in line, copied, and still not contain information. It needs, now note this, a thinking mind to design the cells of living things and then to commit that design in coded form to the DNA so that each organism can function and reproduce itself. Beyond that, to make another organism with new and different structures needs the addition of further information. Copying out a recorded part of information will do no more for the plant or animal than it did for the unfortunate examination student halfway through his examination paper. In Genesis 1:11 and 12, you have the origin of all vegetable life, and you have not only its origin, but you have its orderly continuity fixed by means of certain seeds and kinds that perpetuate that life. Never has a plant evolved into something higher. Now, there was a 24-hour day. Those terms, evening and morning, are used more than 100 times in the Old Testament. And all 100 times, they always referred to a 24-hour day. God did it on the third day. Dr. Angela Meyer holds a PhD in horticultural science from the University of Sydney. Here's what she said. In my own field of research, I see a wonderful precision demonstrated. The internal processes which govern flowering in each species are complex and interrelated. The whole system is not at all well understood by us mere humans. This is all so complex that these systems, now note this, cannot have come about gradually by chance. All plant life systems must have been complete and operative at the same moment in time on day three. It is also significant for pollination 
and seed distribution, many plant species need animals which were created on days five and six. A thousand-year gap between the days would not provide for the survival of many plants. Okay, so let's review. What have we learned? Well, Genesis 1, 1 to 12 shows us that the intelligent agent is the living God, who on the third day of creation separated the land from the sea, caused the plant life to sprout from the land. Two categories. Plants which have their seed in them, and trees which have their seeds in the fruit that comes from them. God looked at it all. And in verse 12 it says, And he saw it, and it was good. Then God signs off again, verse 13. And there was evening, and there was morning, a third day. Incredible. Let me close with this. Job chapter 26, beginning at verse 7. We read, He stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds and the cloud does not burst under them. He obscures the face of the full moon and spreads his cloud over it. He has inscribed a circle on the surface of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are amazed at his rebuke. He quieted the sea with his power, and by his understanding he shattered Rahab. By his breath the heavens are cleared. His hand has pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are the fringes of his ways, and how faint a word we hear of him. But his mighty thunder, who can understand? The Bible says when God breaks into the darkness with light and rain and storms and lightning and the fury of all of this, the Bible says we are just hearing a faint sound, a faint indication of his immense incomprehensible thunder. We're only looking at the fringes of his ways. What a God we have. Let us pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all of the blessings you have given us. Thank you for Genesis account of creation that helps us understand where we came from, how this all came into being, and ultimately what our eternal destiny is. Father, thank you for your love and mercy you show us. Think of those viewers watching right now that are going through a trial in their life, a difficulty. Father, attend to it, draw close to them, bring healing and peace to the brokenness and the sickness in our lives. Bless each and every viewer, Father, I pray in Jesus' name.
Well, once again, we've come to the point in our program where we have our special offer for our viewers. And those that have been watching us on a regular basis know that at the end of every program, we'd like to offer you a resource, a book, a magazine, something to further your understanding of this awesome God that, that we serve and who is the creator of everything you and I see around us. And today is no different. I have a little book here for you. It's called um, Beyond Imagination. Is there more to life than we know? It is a wonderful little book. It's a small little book. It, you can sit down and read it in one sitting, but it has some wonderful information and we'd like to give it to you as a gift. There's no obligation on your part whatsoever. It'll come to you in the mail postage paid. If you would like to receive this book, here's the information you need and we'll get it out to you right away. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you again that uh, you've taken this time to join us. We really appreciate that. Just a couple of things. Um, visit our website, l4ltv.com. Uh, when you're on the website, you can send a prayer request. You can see all of the previous programs. If you're interested in joining a Bible study group, uh, we have their listed Bible study groups in Ontario and Alberta. If you live outside of those provinces and you'd be interested, just, just, just write me. You can email me at bill at l4ltv.com and I'll get back to you. Um, on the website, you can also find out where I will be appearing live. Most Saturdays, I'm at my church in Toronto, the Harmony Adventist Church, 89 Centre Avenue, not Centre Street, Centre Avenue, which is roughly uh, the Bayview and Steeles area. Just click on the link, there's directions how to get to my church. We're there on Saturdays, generally from about a quarter to 10 uh, for Bible study, and then 11.30 for our worship service. We're a small church, very welcoming church. If you're looking for a place to worship where you can come, like the song says, just as I am, then that's the place you want to join us, Harmony Adventist Church. Uh, on the website, you can also make a donation to help keep this ministry afloat. We are a charitable organization. There's a tax receipt available to you. Also, Mission Now Canada. MissionNowCanada.com is the website that covers the mission component of our ministry. If you like doing mission work overseas, check that page out. Sign up for one of the upcoming mission trips. We'll get in touch with you and or donate to the mission work of our Lessons for Living Ministries. Well, it's time for us to come to the end. Thanks again for being here. I hope you'll come back again next time 
we have this opportunity to spend these 30 minutes with you. I'll be praying that you do. God bless you. We'll see you back here again real soon.